I don't have any idea what's going on in the Big 12. I, I have no clue how this thing can play out with tiebreakers, so don't ask me. Let me get it out of the way. I'm just being straight with you. Welcome in. I'm Pete Mundo. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is how you find us covering the Big 12 Conference. Week 12 is in the books, and we are here for the reaction show as we are each and every week. So let's get right to it here. I want to talk about the games in order of importance. I'm sorry, Baylor TCU. We're not going to talk about you for a long time on the show tonight. I hate to break it to you, but at this point in the season, there's a handful of games that matter, and those are the ones that we're going to talk about here on the show. So first off, tiebreaker craziness is chaotic. Texas beats Iowa State tonight 26-16. Texas beat writers are saying that Texas clinched a spot in the Big 12 title. Other people are saying they basically clinched a spot in the Big 12 title, but there is a pathway to Texas not making a Big 12 championship. This is the problem the Big 12 has. It has not clarified its rules, and it has not gone through the tie-breaking scenarios. The Big 12 on, I mean, they should do it Sunday, but if they want to wait till Monday morning, There has to be some kind of press release that comes out that lays out every potential scenario for this week. That's what the Big 12 needs to do. This is not complicated. This is not difficult. There's a lot of smart people in the league who are communications experts. You put out a statement on Monday morning basically spelling out the scenarios. The worst thing you can have in sports is fans who don't understand What outcomes lead to different opportunities? That's the worst thing you can have in any sport. It's one of the reasons I don't watch international soccer. I don't get it. The promotion, the the relegation, I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's too complex. Who wins, who loses, why? Right? If you are in a scenario, if you're a league, if you're a sport, and people can't figure out your tiebreaker scenario, you're losing. So I hope the Big 12 does a full breakdown for everybody going into week 13 saying, is Texas in? Is Texas not in? What is going on here? And how can these tiebreakers play out this week? With K-State, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State all in the mix, along, of course, with Texas, who's in first place right now. So uh, let's get to the games themselves. And let's see how this all is going to play out here going forward. We'll start with the Texas-Iowa game. Texas rolling to a, I don't want to say rolling, but getting a comfortable 26 to 16 win. They had two scores taken off the board in the first half by penalties, but you could tell even at halftime, it was six, three, but it just felt like Texas was at some point going to explode in that game and start putting some points on the board. And that's what we saw in the second half because they had points taken off the board, two scores taken off the board in that first half by penalties. And they were well-deserved. I'm just saying you saw the offense moving the ball and moving the ball effectively. Meantime, for Iowa State, I mean, this has been a problem throughout the season, especially when you're playing a team like Texas, who has a great rush defense. Texas held Iowa State to nine rushing yards. Nine. Now, to the credit of Iowa State, unlike Kansas State, they didn't try to rely on the running game for the first three quarters. But, man, you rush for nine yards, you're likely going to be in for a long night. The first half looked like a Big Ten West, for crying out loud. 
I thought I was watching, you know, Minnesota, Nebraska or something like that. It was ugly. But um, it was Texas ultimately getting it done as you as you thought as the game was progressing was going to be the outcome. Quinn Ewers looked as good as he has looked in several weeks since coming off of that injury. I mean, he was quick on his release. He was looking ahead. He was looking downfield. His footwork was really good. He wasn't getting scattered in the pocket. He played a really good game against a tough John Heacock defense for the Iowa State Cyclones. I was really impressed with Quinn Ewers, as long as as impressed as I've been with him in several weeks since before the injury. He finished 23 of 33, uh, 281 yards, two scores, no interceptions. And then, you know, Jonathan Brooks goes down, next man up. C.J. Baxter says, I got it. C.J. Baxter runs for 117 yards on the night, a freshman out of Orlando, Florida, doing his thing and picking up a lot of the slack, wondering what was that running game going to look like against a good Iowa State rush defense. And C.J. Baxter held his own. I mean, there wasn't any, like, massive 50-yard touchdown run. He didn't score on the night. But he just kept the Iowa State defense honest, and he did enough. 117 yards, you'll take that every time for a guy with 20 carries. And he never had a carry longer than 21 yards, which is impressive. It was just steady five, six, seven, eight-yard runs for C.J. Baxter, which is more than enough to get it done in a game like this for the Texas Longhorns. So uh, Texas found itself in that Iowa State backfield a lot on Saturday night. Now, so did Iowa State. Uh, you know, they, they found themselves in that backfield, four sacks on the night, six tackles for loss. But all in all, this game was about Texas essentially solidifying a spot in the Big 12 championship. Some are saying they guaranteed the spot. As far as I understand it, they have basically solidified a spot. There would have to be complete chaos next week for them not to get in, but they have basically solidified that spot in the Big 12 championship game. So congratulations, Texas. Um, You guys are now in great position. And by the way, they are still in the hunt for the college football playoff if they can win these next two games. They're going to need some help around the country, right? Going to need some help. But all in all, it's looking pretty darn good for the Texas Longhorns right now. And we'll be watching and uh, seeing how this thing plays out over the next few days. Jason writes, kudos to a tough Iowa State team that gave us a fight. But my horns move one step closer. Let's take care of Texas Tech next week. No, you guys look good. I mean, Texas, it, far and away, looks like the best team in the Big 12. Like, that. that's not a controversial statement, not a hot take. It's a pretty obvious statement to make if you've been watching Big 12 football this year. And it's because of the dudes in the trenches, most notably that defensive line, man. I mean, that defensive line is just unbelievable. It is so good. Um, and all in all, the Longhorns are right where I think a lot of them, ex- a lot of us expected them to be with the way the last few weeks have gone. There's been some dicey uh, games for them there, but uh, heck, they're 10-1, and they're 7-1 and in Big 12 play, and now it's Black Friday against Texas Tech uh, coming up next week. Meantime, let's talk about the uh, Sunflower Showdown. Kansas State beating Kansas 31-27. to The Wildcats stay in the Big 12 title hunt at 6-2 and in conference play. You know, Kansas had control of this game. Kansas was up 
by a score of 27 to 16. And then it just completely collapsed on him. I mean, you look at what this Kansas offense did or really did not do once they were up 27 to 16. After that, they punt, interception, punt, interception. And by the way, they had special teams mistakes as well. Uh, they had a PAT that was blocked, returned for two. And then ultimately, the one that really hurt them. K-State is down 27-24 early in the fourth quarter. They punt the ball. KU muffs the punt. K-State gets the ball. They go down the field, six plays, 55 yards, and they end up scoring the game-winning touchdown on a Will Howard touchdown run. I mean, you know, that's special teams. You can't have those mistakes. Lance Leipold knows that, by the way. You can't have those mistakes. So, uh, but that is a tough way to lose a game. They were trying to snap a 14-game losing streak against K-State, and they were in a great position to do it. But special teams' mistakes, and then, you know, the offense clamped up. I thought Cole Ballard played well. I mean, KU's on its third-string freshman quarterback, and they're about to get a top-25 win against their biggest rival, uh, you know, for the first time in 15 years. I thought Cole Ballard looked good. Now, it was weird because before the game in the stadium, they were announcing that Jason Bean was going to start. But then Cole Ballard ends up starting and playing the entire game. And I think they got something there. He's a tough kid. He you know, throws a good ball. Um, much better this week than last week against Texas Tech. So, uh, you know, I think he's someone you can work around. I don't know what his future exactly is at this level, but heck, KU fans found out Jalen Daniels is coming back next year. So uh, I think you're feeling pretty good about that position. I don't know about the back of his, but you're feeling pretty good about that position. But that's painful for KU. You're trying to snap this 14-game losing streak. You're up double digits and in the second half, and you blow the game. After leading 27-16, to you give up 15 unanswered, and, you know, of course, the rest is history. So uh, that hurts. But for K-State, you're in the mix for a Big 12 title. The best path right now for K-State appears to be having Oklahoma State lose to BYU. That appears to be the best way to go about it right now uh, for Kansas State because obviously we know that Oklahoma State's tiebreaker with Kansas State would be their head-to-head win. So that matters. Uh, so if you're a K-State fan, you got to be a big fan of BYU next week and um, beat Iowa State, of course, and then go from there with the tiebreakers when it comes to you and Oklahoma if OU ultimately does beat TCU. But the, the clearest path for K-State is you beat Iowa State, and then OU and Oklahoma State both lose, and then it's not even a conversation. But, of course, that is a long shot because Oklahoma State and Oklahoma will probably be double-digit favorites next week easily against both TCU and uh, BYU. So uh, it's still a long shot for K-State to get to Arlington, as I understand it right now, but it is not impossible by any stretch of the imagination. Just got to see how it plays out. So that's where we stand right now with Kansas State. Now, the other team, of course, in the mix, two teams in the mix, we'll talk about them as we roll through our Big 12 Week 12 reaction show. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports is our Big 12 website. Go check it out. If you haven't checked it out, we have recaps and thoughts on every game that was played every single week. We got basketball coming up. We have our message boards that are filling up. 
with Big 12 fans. Those are free to sign up for, so head on over to the message boards at heartlandcollegesports.com and join the conversation with us. A lot of our staffers are always on the boards. So uh, Oklahoma State beats Houston 43-30. to uh, nice of Oklahoma State to wake up a little bit in this game, huh? I mean, Oklahoma State, you're sitting there if you're a Cowboys fan, and you got to be just banging your head against the wall, losing to Houston at halftime. What the hell? This team is so Jekyll and Hyde. It is so difficult to try to figure out and understand. And, I mean, geez, if you're a Cowboys fan and you broke your TV in the first half and you had to listen to the rest of the game on the radio, I don't blame you because this team is infuriating. You love it, and then you're like, what's it doing? What's the play calling? Ollie Gordon barely getting the ball, it felt like, in the first half, and then you give him the ball in the second half, and it's like, oh, yeah, Ollie Gordon. He's kind of like, I don't know, one of the best players in the country. Maybe we should give him the football here against a terrible Houston run defense. There's a novel concept. Oh, okay. I guess this works. Oh, my goodness gracious. So uh, finally get that going a bit in the second half. They dominate the third quarter, and they pick up a 43-30 to win over the Houston Cougars. And, I, you know, you're watching this game, and you're thinking to yourself, if you're a Cowboys fan, all we had to do was win out to make this easy. But we get blown out at UCF. Here we are trailing Houston. You got three of the new Big 12 schools here to wrap up the season who have played bad football all year, and we can't get it done. Well, you did get it done. And that's something that, uh, you know, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, at least you're happy about that. But sheesh. Uh, that was a frustrating afternoon to watch uh, for Oklahoma State fans. Ollie Gordon, of course, ends the day with three touchdowns, 164 yards. Yep, he's good. He, Ollie Gordon, Brennan Presley continues to be one of the better wide receivers in the Big 12. He has really developed a nice connection with um, Alan Bowman at quarterback. And then, you know, you got to look at the Oklahoma State defense hanging in there as well. And, and overall... I, I, you know, defense did a pretty nice nice job. I know you're not going to sit there and say, hey, um, they gave up 30 points. Well, yeah, got a couple of interceptions. They held Houston to two of 11 on third downs. They outgained them by well over 100 yards. So all in all, um, Oklahoma State does what it needed to do. Wasn't necessarily pretty. Wasn't the best game the Pokes have played, but you take the win. And uh, effectively how this will work is Oklahoma State beats BYU. We know they have the head-to-head against Kansas State and Oklahoma, and they're in. Win and in for the Cowboys against a BYU team that, yes, gave Oklahoma a fight, but is still one of the worst teams in the Big 12 this season. So this is not difficult for Mike Gundy. Just don't blow it against a mediocre BYU team. That's all you got to do. That's it. That's all this entails. By the way, for um, the many of you watching live right now on YouTube, would you hit a thumbs up on this video right now for me? Take a second out as you're watching on the TV, on the phone. Hit the thumbs up on the video. That helps us tremendously. And if you're on the podcast and you're listening, maybe a buddy sent it to you, subscribe. What are you waiting for? No one's talking Big 12 as in-depth as we are. 
on this show. We're doing it better than anybody else. I can promise you that. We've been doing this now for 10 years uh, at Heartland College Sports, and it's time that you got on board, so subscribe to the podcast. That way you never miss an episode. Um, Thank you very much for that, Jason. Appreciate that. Easily my favorite Big 12 show. You guys are awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oklahoma beating BYU 31-24. And by the way, I have completely crapped the bed on my picks. I, and I own it. I'm not one of these guys that's like, oh boy, you know, my picks didn't do well, so I'm just going to not talk about them and pretend like they didn't happen. I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm on a bad streak right now. I started off 15-8, and eight, and now after this week's 0-3, I'm 15-14. and 14. I, I mean, I'm hitting the skids. I don't know what to tell you. I gave you OU minus the 24. BYU had played like crap. Now, hey, Dylan Gabriel goes down, but still, I don't know if they would have covered anyway. Um, I gave you Iowa State plus the 7.5. That was looking good for a while until it wasn't late. And then I gave you Cincinnati and West Virginia under uh, 54.5. And I felt really good about that one. Both teams want to run the ball. They don't like to pass the ball. They want to control the clock, time of possession, so listen, I, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm annoyed with myself as much as anything, and um, I hope that you'll be fading my picks in Week 13. I mean, I, I that's what I'd be doing if I was on your end, fading my picks. But anyway, let's continue. Oklahoma beating BYU 31 to uh, 24. Of course, in this game, story Dylan Gabriel goes down, um, but they ultimately do get the win. They forced three turnovers. They scored 21 points off those takeaways, and they take care of business in Provo. So good for them. Um, They played the second half without Dylan Gabriel. They ultimately are still in the Big 12 title hunt. And credit to BYU, man. You know, BYU had lost its last three games by an average of 30 points per game. Uh, BYU is playing some of the worst football in the Power 5 level. But as... Coach Sataki said before the game, apparently, this is what the broadcaster said, but heck, after the Carissa Thompson scandal this week, I don't know if you can believe any sideline reporters anymore, but anyway, um, Coach Sataki told uh, the sideline reporter that, hey, we show up when people least expect it. And that's exactly what BYU did. As I'm watching the first quarter of that game, I mean, OU's in control but you're like, gosh, BYU is putting up a nice little fight here. BYU is giving us something here. BYU is not rolling over. And at halftime, of course, it's 17 all. Uh, Dylan Gabriel's not playing in the second half. And you're like, can BYU actually get this thing done? BYU was just the second opponent to outgain OU on the ground this season, but they just couldn't overcome the turnovers. You can't be that careless with the football, whether it's fumbles or interceptions, and expect to beat teams like OU, even if they don't have Dylan Gabriel. So uh, that, you know, I think overall for BYU, I take more positives out of this than negatives. I know you wanted the win, but heck, with the way the last three games had gone, uh, you get a game like this, it feels like a win. You know, I mean, I, I hate to put it that bluntly. I'm not big on like emotional victories or moral victories, but BYU needed something like that. And to me, uh, this is something you can build off of. Now, if BYU wants to be a good partner in the Big 12, 
they will make sure that Oklahoma State gets into the Big 12 championship game over Oklahoma. But, you know, I don't really want to go down that road. I don't. I'm just saying for the betterment of the future Big 12 teams, it might be something to consider, BYU. I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek, by the way. For those of you that aren't watching on YouTube as I'm smiling as I say this, I'm saying this very much facetiously and tongue-in-cheek. That's all. All right? It's all good. And um, Oklahoma gets a good victory. Uh, But, hey, BYU also plays much better at home. There is no doubt about that. Scott says, OU doesn't lose their quarterback. They win by 40. Listen, I I thought this was the kind of game where OU could win it 60 to uh, 14. I, I like. I thought this is the kind of game that that Oklahoma was going to dominate, and unfortunately for OU, it didn't play out that way. All right. Uh, West says, I can tell you must not have watched much of the OU BYU game. No team was in control of this game, let alone Oklahoma. It was back and forth and mostly tied the entire game. Well, I didn't say that Oklahoma was in control of the game. I thought they looked like the better team, but I just gave BYU an enormous amount of credit for how they came out in the first half, saying it felt like OU, yes, was the better team, but BYU was hanging with them. I know. I just mentioned it was tied at halftime, right? I mean, it, you know, we all watched how the game played out. So ultimately, BYU just could not overcome its turnovers, and that's oftentimes how it goes. Just ask Kansas about muffing a punt up 27-24 against K-State, and then K-State takes the ball down and uh, ends up winning the game. So that's just that's how it goes. So those are the teams that are left in uh, the Big 12 title race, and that's where we're at right now in the Big 12. If you look at the Big 12, you've got Texas at 7-1, and one, and then Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and K-State at 6-2. and two. We now have confirmation that in a three-way tie between Oklahoma State, OU, and Kansas State, Oklahoma State will get in to the Big 12 championship game because they have head-to-head wins over OU and K-State. That's not debatable. So Oklahoma State wins against BYU, they're in. Now, if there's a four-way tie, if Tech beats Texas and OSU, OU, and K-State win, it's chaos. It's chaos And as I started off the show with, the Big 12 should do a press conference or at least put out a statement on Sunday or Monday explaining all of this and going scenario by scenario on how if Team A wins, if Team B wins, here's the scenarios for each team to make a Big 12 championship. That's what they need to do. Kansas State fans deserve to know what their pathway is. Oklahoma fans, Oklahoma State fans, and Texas fans. Now, Oklahoma State and Texas fans know that if they win, they're in. But OU and K-State fans need to know and deserve to know. I mean, they've been with their team now for three months, and they're going to go into the final week of the season not knowing what they need to have happen to get to a Big 12 championship game. That's not fair to them. So that has to be spelled out by the conference, and it's got to be done sooner rather than later. That's what's got to happen here. Now, for the other games in the Big 12, we'll touch on a few of them here. Um, three other games we got to talk about. West Virginia rolling Cincinnati. Here's the takeaway. Well, there's an in-game takeaway, and then there's an off-field takeaway. The in-game takeaways are this. 
West Virginia needs to win games by controlling the clock and using the ground attack. Garrett Green is not going to beat you through the air with his arm from behind. We saw how that went last week against OU, but this is the kind of game, this is exactly the blueprint for West Virginia to win. Control the clock on the ground. Green is running, and then he's sometimes passing, and West Virginia racks up 424 rushing yards. They have a budding star in the backfield in Jaheim White. That one-two punch with Jaheim White and C.J. Donaldson may be the best one-two punch in the Big 12 next season. Meantime, for Cincinnati, they don't have the horses. They don't have the quarterback play. I've said that for weeks on end. Um, They just don't have it. But for the Mountaineers, you're looking at this and saying, hey, you know, I saw a sign at college game day talking about how Jimbo Fisher should go to West Virginia. And I hate to break it to that fan, but Jimbo Fisher is not going to end up at West Virginia because Neil Brown is probably going nine and or eight and four this season. He's a Hail Mary away from being probably nine and three. Think about that. The Hail Mary lost to Houston. I know that there are a portion of West Virginia fans who are like, he's still not the guy. He may not be the guy. Seriously. I mean, he hasn't won a game where he was like some kind of big underdog. He doesn't have that staple win. He's just beaten teams he probably should beat. But West Virginia is not going to fire a guy who goes eight and four after he improves over the past three, four seasons, right? They're not going to do that. Neil Brown's about to have his best year. He's not getting fired. They clearly gave him another year, and if they were going to give him another year, because last year would have been the time to fire him, but he had an $18 million buyout, you're not going to then bring him back and then say 8-4, and nah, not good enough. Best season yet? Yeah, sorry, see you later. Now, do I think this team is set up to compete at the top of the Big 12? Not right now, but remember, next year the Big 12 is going to be nuts. OU and Texas are gone. You got Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah coming in. Like, who's going to be at the top of the league next year? Who do you think the players are at the top of the Big 12 next year? I would throw out some combination of K-State, Oklahoma State, Utah, Arizona. Arizona's playing great this year. Uh, Those would probably be my top four. Throw in maybe West Virginia and Kansas. But, you know, you got a situation here where uh, the Big 12 is going to be anybody's guess next season. So why not the Mountaineers, right? Neil Brown's not going anywhere. And if you're a West Virginia fan that doesn't want to hear that, I'm sorry, but he's not. And he dominated Cincinnati today. He did what he had to do. He doubled him up 42-21. And um, I think it basically solidified his spot for next year. And now they've just got Baylor. And Baylor, oh my goodness, we'll go there next. Hold on. Baylor is just uh, horrible. Oh, my goodness. Sticking with the water tonight. Usually I'll have a uh, post-game beer, but just wasn't feeling it. Had some afternoon beers, and, um, you know, sometimes the water hits a little better, you know? All right, uh, let's get to that Baylor-TCU disaster, whatever you want to call that thing. Um, TCU wins 42-17. to They end up dominating in the second half. Uh, you know, it... First half was okay. This is admittedly the game that as I'm bouncing through the afternoon, I'm probably watching the least of this game. 
But you look at this game and you say to yourself, okay, I think I've got something, by the way, in Josh Hoover if I'm a TCU fan. i got to feel good about that. I still want to see that run game pick up. Um, Jared Wiley had himself, holy cow, a game of epic proportions for him, for the big fella. And then you look on the other side of the ball and you say, what is Baylor? Like, what is Baylor? Outside of a bad football team, we know that. What does this team do well? You can't answer that because I can't either. Baylor is probably going three and nine this season. Dave Aranda was being talked for some big jobs after that Big 12 championship game a couple of years ago. It's amazing how quickly this stuff can turn. And I'm, you know, flipping in and out of this game and saying, my goodness, this team has no passion, no enthusiasm, no juice. They're in the game at halftime, and and this is just a bad sign, right? They're in the game at halftime as a double-digit underdog against their arch-rival, and what are they calling this thing now, the Blue Bonnet? The, the, the Blue Bonnet something? One of the dumbest, I don't know who thought of that nickname, just beyond dumb and lame. But um, I, they're in the game, and then the second half happens, and it's just like they get blown out of the water. Just absolutely hideous and that's where you're watching this thing and you're like oh my goodness TCU scores touchdowns on four straight drives in the second half four straight drives Dave Aranda is a defensive whiz and he gives up four straight touchdowns in the second half technically TCU if you go back to the first half TCU scored touchdowns on six straight drives five plays 40 yards two plays 87 yards Start the second half, nine plays, 81 yards, nine plays, 83 yards, eight plays, 50 yards, one play, 31 yards. Six straight drives of touchdowns for TCU. And your head coach is a defensive mastermind. I I don't think Dave Aranda's going anywhere. I really don't. But, man, there's got to be uh, one of those come-to-Jesus moments in conversations for Dave Aranda this offseason when they likely finish 7-9. and It's not a good scene. Not a good look by any stretch of the imagination. Now, the last game, uh, Texas Tech beats UCF 24-23. It's easy to point to a missed extra point for how this game plays out and why this game plays out the way it does. But to me, that's making it a little too simple. It's not just about a missed extra point for why Texas Tech ends up winning this game. I I think that that is putting the blame somewhere that's easy. Because I'm looking at this and I'm saying, heck, Taj Brooks continued to have himself a strong performance. And when you give that guy the rock, good things generally happen for Texas Tech. 24 carries, a buck 82. And knew that UCF could not stop the run. Um, you know, that's been a weak point for them all season long, except for last week, apparently against the best running back in the big 12 and Ollie Gordon. So go make sense of that. But we knew that UCF couldn't stop anybody on the ground. Taj Brooks took advantage of that. Um, but UCF on the other side, I mean, special teams just ask Kansas about that from uh, Saturday night as well. Missed field goal from 32 yards, missed extra points. 
Um, and that ended, by the way, Colton Boomer's streak of 85 straight extra points made. Um, but they ultimately lost this game because they squandered a 14-point lead and couldn't stop Taj Brooks. That's what this comes down to. They jump out 14 on the road, and they allow Tech to get back into this game. And that's why they ultimately lost it. And that's what that game comes down to. And now for Texas Tech, it's all about Black Friday and playing the Texas Longhorns. But once again, it looks like we are destined for Texas and Oklahoma State if those two teams win out this week. If we get the four-way tie chaos, the Big 12 has got to put out a statement. All right? So we'll be watching, we'll be following, and um, we appreciate you guys being here on Heartland College Sports. Let's see. Brian writes, Joey McGuire needs to stop going for it on fourth downs. I've been saying that since last year. Been saying it since last year, and um, I totally agree. This is not high school football anymore. It's just I, I know the analytics nuts are going to be out there you know, going crazy about it and for it, but I don't think you go for it on fourth and five from your own 38-yard line. I'm not saying that happened today. I'm just saying he's done that in the past, and I just think that's got to stop. I, I just do. All right. Um, we will talk to you guys soon. Our Big 12, Week 12 reaction show is in the books. Subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't yet. Please do that. Hit the thumbs up on YouTube as well. And if you want one of these Heartland College Sports koozies I've got in my hands, leave us a rating and a review on the podcast on iTunes and send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at Heartland College Sports. I'm trying to get to heartlandcollegesports.com, by the way. We want to get to um, 750 ratings on the podcast on iTunes by Thanksgiving. Can you help us do that? We're at 736. That means 14 of you. Can you be one of those 14 right now? There's thousands of you listening. Can you hit the five-star and be one of those 14? It would mean the world to me. Thank you guys for helping us grow this show. Uh, can you believe it? Only one week left in the regular season. Unbelievable. Thank you guys for being here. Have a great rest of your day. Subscribe. we got a lot more stuff coming your way this week on the show. And join our free message boards. We're always on there on Heartland College Sports. Go to the website, hit Members Forum at the top, and just sign up. We'll talk to you there. Take care.